That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. is going on everybody how's everybody doing today alex wash aka wash coming in from dirty ass basement studios you listen to the deuce wild podcast presented by real take no hold barred sports i haven't heard this song in a while it's not too bad this my jam back in high school for all you young folk out there that listen to this this was it my 87 jeep cherokee one 12 inch sub rattled that bitch <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing in this cold I feel like it's been a common theme the last few weeks of these shows furnace running hands freezing feet freezing dirty ass basement freezing got a mess of stuff to talk about here hopefully make it a quick one it is just me so not the guy that talks so damn much. Silver Spoon, Mr. Little. Ah. He had a little message for uh, Patriots fans out there. Let me get to it real quick, right? My text messages. I said, I said, you got anything to say for the show? He says, yeah, Pats fans stop making excuses. And he's referring to one, one thing, and I'll get into that in a little bit. So, I mean, let's just get this ball rolling here. So here's my little list of stuff. I want to talk a little bit about the Celtics, Hayward, Kemba Walker. Get into the Patriots, obviously. I'm going to mention my guy, Tom. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. Maybe, maybe get into a little bit of baseball. Let's see what we got for time left. So yeah, let me let me start out by saying this real quick. Do you know what I'm excited for? Let me look for it real quick. I don't want to just say it, just to say it. But I've got two girls. Okay? I got two little girls here. Alright? Let me play it. Is there going to be an ad? Probably. Let me... So it's coming out November 22nd. I should be a spokesperson for this. November 22nd. I believe that's like a Thursday. You guys ready for this? You're not. I don't think you are. I'm excited. I'm 32 years old. But like I said, there it is. I got two young girls. So you know we're going to be going to see this day it drops. I should keep my kids out of school for this. Well, my oldest. Snow glows white on the mountain tonight. 
Yeah, you know what that is. Scott, you know damn well. You know what this is. All right, I'm going to stop it just right there. Frozen 2. Exactly. Yeah. Call me a creep. Call me a weirdo. But I get into these Disney flicks with my kids. I'm a dad. What the hell are we he supposed to do? Yeah, I know this is a sports show. My oldest doesn't really like sports right now. She's a little bit of a diva, and I love it. But we'll, we'll be first in line to see that damn movie. It's going to be a good one. So let's get right into it. We'll leave Frozen out of this. Do you guys want to start with Tom and the Patriots? Yeah, let's start with that. Let's start with let's start with the Patriots. Is the world falling? Is the sky falling? What do you guys think? Patriots are eight zero, and now the going into the Ravens game at MT Bank Stadium or whatever the hell it's called. Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate, halfway through the season, not my MVP. And we'll do another another show on that too. But my half my half year MVP right now. Russell Wilson. And I don't. I think the stats speak for themselves. Their record. I think Russell Wilson's thrown for twenty-two touchdowns, one pick. It's ridiculous. With what? We got Chris Carson as a running back. Couple, couple wide receivers. Now they, now they got Josh Gordon, who I still think can contribute in this league. They're gonna be pretty good. And their defense is actually semi underrated. It's not great, but it's serviceable. Enough, uh, give him enough room for for Wilson. I'm going to stop right there. Let me get back to the Patriots. Let me get back to Tom. So, ain't no going into this one. Love you, Tom. Ain't no going into this one. Ravens run all day all over New England. I think 200, 210, 215 yards rushing. Just gashing the Patriots defense. Dante Hightower freaking out on the sidelines because they're not stopping anybody. 17 unanswered points to start the game. Just look ugly. But, you know, just in tape, pit, you know, typical Patriots fashion. Coming back, doing what you got to do. Driving the ball down the field. Defense is finally making some, you know, bend but don't break moments. But the Patriots unable to capitalize. Especially... I should have known what was coming because Patriots finally got the ball. Doing one of those typical Patriots things. holding, Finally holding them. Driving down the field at the end of the first half. Chance to get into the end zone and James White fumbles over his own feet. Falls right at the goal line. They go through the, the review process and all that other horse dung. But they get points out of it, you know. So they can, you know, kick a field goal. Nick Falk, new kicker, get in. Seventeen thirteen at halftime, and the Patriots get the ball. Patriots are rolling at this point. Come out of the half, just driving down the field, just killing Baltimore's defense, just everywhere. D line, linebackers, corners, all getting carved up. And then Jules, oh Julian, what are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? Fumble. Fumble right at like their 20, 25. Ugly. Ugly. And then from there on out, it was it was all Baltimore. It was all Baltimore. 
Which brings me to my point. Are the Patriots still the best team in the AFC? Are they? One would beg to differ. Now, you know, everybody seems to think that Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. Mostly just because, you know, Baltimore just took it to New England. Took it right to them. You know, and I forgot a part when I was talking about the game, too. Because after the fumble, you know, 70-yard fumble recovery touchdown, I might add. New England could have completely folded, you know. I think a lot of teams that don't have the uh, mental toughness would probably fold in situations like that. But New England New England at the time did not fold. You know, they, they got the ball back. They immediately drove down the field and scored a touchdown. So then you're still kind of sitting in that spot where, you know, do we still have a chance to win this game or do we not? So... New England still had every opportunity to win that game, but as I said at the beginning of the show, at the top of the show, about you know Baltimore's rushing attack with Ingram and, and Jackson and, and Edwards, even for that matter, the Patriots just couldn't just couldn't stop the bleeding when it came to the run game because you know as soon as New England scored that last touchdown, it was basically basically over from that point. You know, uh, the Ravens, you know Lamar Jackson, they were converting on third downs, key third downs. So, uh, actually, on a fourth and four, when New England thought they got to stop to potentially, you know, get Baltimore to to punt them the ball and and you know either I can't remember exactly what the score was, but it was either to get a lead. Actually, yeah, they were up they were up four. So um, so at that point, you know, New England makes the stop on third and four, thinking you know long field either long field goal or a punt. You know, Justin Tucker even missing an extra point in the game. You're thinking probably have a you know probably have a solid chance to to get this one, but Lamar Jackson convinces Harbaugh to go for it on fourth and four, and of course they convert, and you know it's it's downhill from that point. So we all know how it ended. Tough loss, but a loss that probably needed to happen. You know, a little bit of humble pie never really hurt. You know, if you told me at the beginning of the year. Or if you told really any New England fan or a player, I'm sure they would say kind of the same thing I'm doing right now, and and it's kind of you know the half full mentality. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year, but the, by the you know by the bye week the Patriots would be eight and one and first in the AFC, I think you'd have to be crazy to not take that. You know, I, I I'm absolutely happy with that, but I was I was a little disturbed by what I saw because it kind of started happening against Cleveland with Nick Chubb um, just gashing New England's defensive line all, basically all levels really you know that, that game could have been completely different had you know Nick Chubb actually held on to the ball on two of his rushes so by week it comes at a good time get them some rest and you know going into the bye week with a loss is probably a good thing for New England because they're gonna sit there for two weeks be pissed off that they lost, that they're not undefeated. But they can actually work on some of their deficiencies on defense because now, because now all the, all the, uh, well, who have they played? You know, they've played Miami, they've played the Jets, they've played the Giants, they played the Browns, they played the Bills, who are actually six or what are they seven and two, six and two? Have they had a bye week? Either way, they're in a playoff spot right now. They're actually playing really well, but uh, according to all of 
everybody outside of New England, you know, they haven't played anybody. And then that kind of brings up my next point. What the hell are the Patriots supposed to do? This isn't like this isn't like college football where these big time schools will pay the uh, South Central Missouri Alabama State Crenshaw Rancho Cucamonga aristocrats, you know, umpteen million dollars to go play them and and turn that into a complete shit show and just beat the brakes off. And it's not that's not what. The, the Patriots can only play who is on their schedule. Like, it's it's is it their fault that every quarterback and most of the teams that they've played have sucked this year? Why don't you look at the league as a whole? How many really, really good teams are there in the NFL this year? Uh, to, to me, there's not many. Obviously, you got New England, you got Baltimore, Kansas City when Mahomes isn't hurt. Uh, who else? I'm just speaking AFC. Houston, probably. Pretty good. And then the NFC is probably a little bit tougher than the AFC. Between the you know the 49ers, who are undefeated. The Seahawks. The Rams, even, during their struggles. They're still a good, they're still a good team. The Saints. I think the Vikings are still pretty good. Green Bay. Not bad with Rodgers. But it's not like I railed off half the league. I, that's what I just never really understood. The Patriots the Patriots schedule so cupcake because their division sucks. Well, get better. Are the Patriots just supposed to not get better? Whatever. That's neither here nor there. But are the Patriots still the best team in the AFC? In my opinion, yes. Even after a loss, and this is where this is where Adam comes in because he gave me shit the other day on Facebook because I would find it hard to believe, and I'm and maybe I'm naive after my twenty some odd years of being a hardcore Patriots fan. Maybe I'm dumb enough to think this, but I went on Facebook after and I commented on I can't remember what uh, I can't remember what regional sports network I, I went to 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 discuss this, but. I basically said, you know, I would not be shocked, realistically, if Bill Belichick and the Patriots didn't go and show everything that they had within the offensive playbook, the defensive playbook, for the simple fact that there's a chance, and like a big chance, that they're going to be playing Baltimore in the playoffs. That would not shock me. Offensively, and it didn't really dawn on me probably till like halfway through the third quarter. Offensively, they didn't really even make any substitutions. They almost played in a three wide receiver set all night with one tight end and one running back. Typically, you would think of the Patriots as shuffling people through the lineup. Through each set. And there wasn't much of that. Like Jacoby Myers, for instance. Like, Granted, yeah, he's a rookie wide receiver, but he played one snap. But you had Mohamed Sanu, he played all of them. Julian Edelman played all of them. I think Dorsett played 98% of them. James White played a ton of them. Maybe maybe almost all of them. And if not, pretty damn close. Michelle, he played... I don't think he played that much. But, this, but that's the thing. They, they didn't do that much on, on offense in terms of substitution. So... 
that's what would lead me to believe that they didn't show Baltimore everything they had, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I do think that that was legit. I really do think that they were getting carved up, um, as stated from the previous week with the Browns. So they got they got some this, some stuff to work on. By week, like I said, came at a good time, and uh, I expect them to play really well against the the Eagles coming out of the coming out of the break. I still think they're the best team in the AFC until they until I'm told or seen or have seen otherwise there's no reason for me to think any different you know that they're going through the toughest part of their schedule right now like I said the Eagles coming up uh I don't know exactly what order but you've got the Chiefs still you've got the Texans still on top of that so tough schedule coming we'll find out exactly who they are the loss came at a good time Tom Brady still played pretty well um even yeah yes Love you, Tom. Even that ugly pick, that was that was stupid. I think he was just trying to make a play, but there's no reason for me to think any any differently. Until I see consistent struggles, I think this defense is still gonna be a top three to five defense at year's end. Offensively, they're going to get even better. Uh, I liked what I saw really in the second half of the game. They played a lot of no huddle. They played a lot of spread too, which we haven't seen in a while. Um, especially last year, they turned into like a ground and pound team. So I'm liking this. I'm liking a little bit of this air raid stuff that they uh, featured last weekend. So good week off here. We'll see what these other teams are made of, and we'll go from there. Let me let me know what you guys think. You guys still think the Patriots are still class of the AFC? We'll get into the NFC probably next week. I want to know if you guys think that the 49ers are real. I know there's one of you, at least one or two of you, on the Facebook page that are hardcore 49ers fans that absolutely believe this is legit. I mean, you don't you don't accidentally go undefeated halfway through the year. Like you don't you don't just do that. But I haven't seen a lot of the 49ers to really get a feel. Like defensively, I know they're disgusting. I know they're really good. They got like between their front seven, they have like five first-round picks. So, yeah, defensively, you should be pretty damn good. And, yeah, they got Richard Sherman, you know, clogging up one side of the field, too, now in the backfield. But defensively, I know they're really good. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo is really good, too. Statistics-wise, I don't like I don't see a, a Pro Bowl quarterback stats. But, I, again, I, I haven't seen enough 49ers games to really – to get a feel for how they are, but I have seen a few Seattle Seahawks games. They're playing really, really well. The Saints, even you know, with Breeze out, they are playing really, really well with with Bridgewater. So there's some really good teams in the NFC. It'll be interesting to see what that uh, what that seating looks like by uh, year's end. So we'll get into we'll get into that in the next week or so because I do I do want to get into it. I I'll watch a little bit more of the 49ers. I'll, I'll look at some tape. I'll watch them this weekend. And uh, see what they're all about. Is that all I had for the Patriots and uh, Tom Brady? I think so. Check my my notes app. Yeah, I had it as Patriots in trouble. I don't I don't see it. So we'll take a look in the next few weeks. We'll see where they stand. 
I wanted to get into the Celtics here for for a few reasons. We'll start with we'll start with Kemba Walker because originally I was going to do this show before uh, this game actually started, and it's actually happened since um, his return to Charlotte. They were playing the Charlotte Hornets tonight in Charlotte, so you know there was going to be a big uh, to do with. You know, Kemba, go, Kemba going back to Charlotte for the first time since joining the Celtics, at least in the regular season. They did they did play in the uh, they did play in the preseason, but they, obviously this is a big deal. You know, you got the you got the tribute uh, video and uh, lots of good stuff there. Like Kemba, really, you think about it. You think of the upper echelon players, like, and it's no disrespect to Kemba because I really like Kemba. But, you know, you list off, like, your top 10 or 15 players. I, I really feel like Kemba Walker got overlooked, even though he might be in that, you know, top 10 or 15 players in the league. Maybe. I, I got to look at the list again. I got to look at a list of really good players. But he kind of goes by the wayside because his team has been obsolete, really, since he got into the league. I think out of in his eight years in the league... I think he's been in the playoffs once, and that was a smoke show. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You guys like my stuff, you know? It's awesome. I love it. I love not being able to breathe. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again, you know, he, you know, he hadn't really been to the playoffs, so he, he doesn't know what kind of atmosphere it's like, you know, in Boston. But, again... You know, he never really went through that with, with Charlotte. So I, I feel like a lot of the times when you're talking about some of the best players in the NBA, uh, he kind of gets overlooked. And it, it kind of took a little bit of time for him to kind of catch on, you know, to become that 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 legitimate scorer that he was in college. You know, he didn't start as soon as he came out of uh, UConn. You know, he's playing, playing behind some people. But, you know, once they got to... You know, once they became the Hornets again, is kind of where he made a name for himself. But even still, you know, he's been the All-Star team three times. He started, uh, he started last year, and he was third-team All-NBA, which is which is really, I mean, that's nothing to to hang your head about. That, I mean, being known as you know one of the top 15 guys in the league uh, is, is pretty is pretty damn cool. So, you know, obviously, good for him there. But he, again, he, I feel like he's one of those players that really kind of got overlooked. And I, I went through this, you know, before I keep going on with the, with the Charlotte game, I went through this with um, Isaiah Thomas. Now, you know he's a, a small guy, and you know that he can, he can score at will with, you know, some of the best players in the league. So, again, it, 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 he was one of those people that you just, you, ha- you hadn't seen enough to really get the, understanding of how good he really is and again it's one of those I hadn't I knew you were good I just didn't know you were that good and it's been like that for me with Kemba this year maybe not as much like as I you know as I thought with like Isaiah Thomas you know because obviously you know Kemba's been on the all-star team he's been he's made an all-nba team but you don't get to see you don't get to see him that much, and now you get to see him. You know, every day he plays, you just you appreciate him more because all you could see 
all you could see before was just the box score, you know, 25, 30, 40 points, 50 points here and there. You know, he killed the Celtics every time that he played us, you know. So it's like, again, it's, it's one of those things you just, you don't know it until you see it regularly and you appreciate it more because he's like really, really freaking good. And it's crazy. And again, before, you know, I get back to Charlotte, I'm going to get back to the Charlotte game. It's crazy to me because you would think, yes, I'm going to go back to the Kyrie Irving thing. Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is a better basketball player than Kemba Walker. But it, it is abundantly clear to me, the media, the fans, that Kemba Walker is by far the better fit for the Celtics. Not just from a basketball basketball perspective. He, uh, he, just does, he does everything. He can score with the best in the league. He's actually a better rebounder than I thought. He's actually a better passer than I thought. But he just fits here so much better than Kyrie in both in both aspects, really. Not even just basketball. For what Kemba needs, Kemba just needed help. He didn't get that in Charlotte. Kyrie Irving needed to be a leader. He needed to prove to himself that he needed to be a leader. Like he needed to be LeBron. Like I, I, I never understood that. I, I don't know why. But he, he needed to be this. And he needed to be that. But for what? Kyrie Irving could have had probably the best years of his career, statistically, if he had just kept his mouth shut about the young guys, if he had just kept his mouth shut about trying to be a leader, if he had just kept his mouth shut in general. And I understand, like, we didn't know before that he was going through some stuff with his family and one of his family members that he was close to passing away. So that's one thing. But the mood swings and all that stuff that are surfacing because the New England media, the Boston media are famous for the smear campaigns when people walk out the door. But this one, this one was different because we saw it unfold and it was brutal. The whole thing was brutal. So, but back to Kemba. The fit here is just perfect because he came in not even saying that he really wanted to be a leader. He came in, said that he wanted to be part of a franchise whose basically whose commitment was to winning. He wasn't getting that in Charlotte. The foundation for a good team was already here in Boston, you know, between Tatum and and Brown and and Hayward coming back and all that stuff. So and Hayward is my next my next topic. Let's get started on that soon. But with Kemba, you know, he and he's a quiet guy. He loves being with his team. He loves playing with his team. He likes being able to feed his team. For him, it's all team. And we weren't getting that with Kyrie, and we were blind to it to an extent. You know, I, and I couldn't wait till like I could I couldn't wait till he was gone because I, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. I didn't think Kemba Walker was a realistic option for the Celtics. I personally thought he was going to end up in L.A. with uh, LeBron and A.D. But he, as soon as Boston came knocking on the door, there was no other team for him. So I, I love it. I love it. I honestly thought that it was going to turn into the Terry Rogier show in Boston. At least in terms of running the team. And I, and I wouldn't have been upset with that. I wouldn't have been upset with that had he not run his mouth on uh, ESPN. You know, when he started running his mouth about Kyrie, which was deserved, but the whole Gordon Hayward thing. 
you know, just there wasn't enough balls to go around. They were trying to force feed Gordon when he came off his injury. I was all right with with Rozier leaving at that point. I don't even care who was going to be the point guard of the Celtics at that point. But back to Charlotte, you know, the the big to-do, you know, about Kemba, and it, and it was deserved, all the love that he got. And, you know, I've seen some videos tonight, and it was great. He got emotional as he, as he obviously – for the type of person that he is, he, he got emotional, and it was good to see. You know, you like to see the human side of uh, of uh, athletes because I think we tend to view them as almost kind of like video game athletes. You know, they wake up, they reset, and just go play a game. Like, obviously, there's there's far more to it than that. But uh, it was good. It was good to see that. It looks like he struggled a little bit. I got to watch a replay of the game here in the next oh, 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, but it was good. It was good to see that, and um, he's going to be a huge, huge part of this team. Obviously, you know they expect him to, and they need him to. But I think it's going to be, you know, obviously, hopefully everybody stays healthy, him included. But uh, this could be a special year, and a lot of people outside of me were saying that this team is, you know, maybe a, a forty, you know, forty-five win team, and I just I didn't see it. To me, that made no, to me that made no sense. Like they're just far more talented, which leads me into my next point, which is what I've been saying all along, specifically about the Celtics, that the Celtics' most important player, and I and I've been you know catching flack for this, is Gordon Hayward. You know, Gordon Hayward is the Celtics most important player. He's by far their best two-way player. And especially of this whole year. Yeah, they're seven games in. Small sample size. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't care if it's a small sample size. Seven games in, and you're averaging 20 and 8 and 6 a night in seven games? Like, that's not an accident. Like, this is the type of player that he was in in uh, in Utah. But, and it it still drives me nuts to see the some of the old post just saying you know stuff like well you know this guy is not a max guy you know he's never going to be the same and it's just you know this he's just not good he's just not a good player anymore and, and that could have absolutely been the case if if i hadn't seen him play well in spurts last year coming off a, a career changing injury but what I see of Gordon Hayward today, as it stands, is someone that is Utah Gordon Hayward and more. I actually talked to uh, Asherod Blakely of NBC Sports Boston. The uh, actually just this afternoon, and he was on. He was actually on TV. What was it? He was on. He was on last uh, last night. He was on last night Wednesday. And I absolutely agreed with it because it's exactly what I was thinking too. You know, he got into it with uh, Draper. And he said basically what I just said to you. Like, he is a better player today than he was in Utah. And here's why. Sure, he was like a an athletic freak high flyer. He's still an athletic freak. And he can still jump. Maybe not as much out of the building, but he can jump. He can yam on somebody if he absolutely needed to. But he doesn't need to. And it's probably better off for him health-wise. And confidence-wise. Because he knows he can score without having to, to dunk on somebody. You know, when he's driving the lane. 
but he's he's strong enough to 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 absorb contact and and finish finish at the rim off the glass or or, or laying it in. But you know he said he said right on he said right on TV the same thing that I was thinking that he's a better player now because he's more complete. You know, and maybe some of the statistics will start evening out. You know, maybe he won't average twenty points this year, but he's going to average seventeen or eighteen a night. And there's going to be nights where he's scoring thirty. There's going to be nights where he scores 10, 12, but his efficiency is going to be through the roof. He'll have eight, nine rebounds on those, you know, 10, 12, 15 point nights. He'll have seven to 10 assists on those nights. Like tonight, 20, 10, and six. Like, are you trying, are you trying to tell me that he's not a good player? What about the other night when he put up, this is the main reason I wanted to talk about him. Against Cleveland, 39, 39 points, a, a, a regular season career high. He scored 40 in the playoffs for the Jazz, I believe his last last uh, season in, in Utah. But you you just stumble upon a 39, 8, and 7. Dude is playing amazing, and I love, be, I love watching people retract whatever they said about Gordon Hayward because Gordon Hayward, I know, is that great of a player. He is that much of a difference maker. This is the Gordon Hayward that the Celtics were paying for. Like you couldn't, you can't help the injury. Like that happened, it, it's over. And you know, people judge what he did last year on the type of player that he is. Like, do you, did you not see how like out of sync that team was all year? That was not a Gordon Hayward thing. And we're talking about, well, you know, a lot of those people were talking about how he was force fed. Like, are you kidding me? He was averaging 25 minutes a night, and I feel Brad. I feel bad for Brad Stevens. I still feel bad for him for how that all of last year went. Between, and and I don't even mean this just from a drama perspective. I mean team depth wise, which is what you want, but not this kind of depth. Between Kyrie and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Al Horford and even Aaron Baines, who is a team guy, but a, a talented one nonetheless. Terry Rozier, uh, just uh, and obviously Hayward and Marcus Morris. Now you know that was a big one too. It's like there's so many talented players on the team. There's all many. There's only so many minutes to go around. There's all many, only so many uh, basketballs to shoot during the damn game. So that's where I feel bad for Stevens. But like Gordon handled himself really well. He averaged 25 minutes a night. He averaged 11 and a half points. He took like six shots a game. He averaged like one free throw a game. And when he was struggling, he himself told Brad Stevens, because he's a team player, if you need me to come off the bench, I will come off the bench. If you need a spark, Marcus Morris is playing well, why don't you rotate us out? How many max contract guys are coming out and saying stuff like that. But there's not a lot of people that gave him credit for doing something like that. Because not a lot of people would do that. Because he doesn't have an ego. There's so many people that, you know, because they you know they they have to start because that they, they, they're just egomaniacs. Like they just think that they have to start. Like that wasn't Hayward. Hayward just felt like he might have been better suited to come off the bench with the roster that they had last year. This year, he deservedly should start. And obviously, it's paying off. He's healthier. He's averaging 34, 35 minutes a night. Putting up 28 and 6. 
averaging that through seven games, like, again, short sample size for the year, but this is what you're going to get from Hayward on a regular basis. Again, and it'll even it out, like I said, 30-point nights, 10-point nights, 15-point nights. So it'll all even itself out. But I love to see people eat their words. I love it. I love when the uh, the Hayward hater crowd is, there's crickets. Because he's a great player. He is absolutely a great player. Yeah. Things you love to see. That. And I think a lot of the Celtics successes are going to be dependent on how good Gordon Hayward plays. Yeah, we, we could talk about how important Tatum's growth is, and obviously that's been a big thing. You know, he's, he's averaging 20-some-odd points a night. Kemba, Kemba Walker might be the quietest person to be averaging 25 points a game. Now, I think he only had like 14 tonight, so that'll go down, but still, he's still going to be averaging 20-some-odd points and 5, 5, and 6 quietest quietest 20 point per game a night guy I think I've ever heard so that's that's great it's going great right now and obviously knock on wood for Celtics fans like hopefully that keeps going but again Gordon Hayward to me is the most important Celtic and going to be the most important player on that team going forward because I believe that's how this team is going to tick if Gordon plays well in his, in his time in Boston between last year and this year, if Gordon plays well, chances are they're they're going to be within striking distance of to, of winning a game. And I, and I'll come on every show and continue to say it. My stuffy nose is getting progressively worse as we go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I'm trying to get a word out, and it's just my nose is just like. <laughs> I can't. I can't do anything. Oh, excuse me. So, what else? What else we got here? So, again, Hayward's importance to the Celtics is is documented now, and I love that people are are finally seeing it. Love to see it. Which kind of brings me into something that I was kind of going off on Twitter this morning because. The media in New England it really just kind of gets me going sometimes. You guys love the sound of my furnace? It's keeping me warm, though. The thing that drives me nuts about being not only a fan of New England and obviously uh, an, an aspiring you know, kind of radio guy to talk about all things sports is we can't just, we can't just like appreciate what's going on. You know, main like this is about Hayward. Like, so we're talking about how good he's been playing after everything that happened last year. Today, it's he's playing so well that there's a chance that he might not opt into the last year of his deal with the Celtics. Like, that's what that's that's what we're doing. Like, we can't just appreciate what he's doing for you know 15 minutes. It's. He's playing so well that he's playing himself into another max contract. Is he going to opt in or is he going to opt out? Like That drives me nuts because now I'm sitting here thinking, awesome, he's playing great. But shit, he might not be back next year. That sucks. So I've been thinking about that all day. And it's too bad. 
I would like to think that he would want to to stay here long term again because realistically, obviously he missed that first year. The second the second year was not fun by any stretch, and it wasn't fun to watch. Now it's fun to watch. So it's like, does Brad Stevens have enough pull to to get him to either opt in or opt out and sign a longer term deal? Like that's where we're at now. And now it's got me overthinking about stuff, and I hate that. I hate it. Like, why do we have? Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to see that? Let's appreciate what the hell he's doing, and be happy about it for now. We'll worry about the contract thing later. Like, even with the Kyrie Irving situation last year, and all that, the Gordon Hayward thing. How many times did the media? Not just Boston or New England. Ask Gordon Hayward after a good game. Are you back? Like They're still doing it right now. Are you back, Hayward? The Kyrie thing. So after tonight's game, you know, you guys struggled a little bit. Are you still thinking about, you know, opting out of your contract? Or, and that, like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Kyrie for freaking out like that from time to time. But I think most of us knew he was gone as it is. So I kind of get that frustrating part out of it. But Kyrie, he's obviously a pain in the ass. But, like, but that's what that's just what New England does. They, you know, they need to know. They're like the uh, the girlfriend, the wife, or the, the, the needy husband that needs to be told that things are okay just to ensure that things are okay, even if they're not. <laughs> it's like... Good, great, grand, wonderful. <laughs> like everything's going okay. All right, just relax. It's just like let's appreciate what Hayward's doing. Like he's playing amazing. Like back to Asherah Blakely when we, we talked today. Like Gordon has been a stud this year. I love the way he's playing. Like I legitimately feel. Again, seven games in, I feel like. This Gordon Hayward is better than any Gordon Hayward that we have seen in years past that got him this max contract from the Celtics. Again, it's not just the athleticism. It's the fact that he can finish around the rim without having to dunk. It's it's taking the contact and finishing around the lane. Obviously, you know, free throws. His passing is so underrated. He passes like a point guard. He sees things happen before they happen. And he and he's strong and he can rebound and he can do all that stuff. So yeah, maybe he was doing a little bit of that in Utah, but this is this is different. This is different. He it's almost kind of like he's more diligent. And I think that's what makes him better than what he ever was in Utah. Maybe it's just my bias towards Boston, but I think uh, as a as a fan looking in, uh, a hardcore fan at that looking in, I feel like I see differences from this Hayward that we see today from the one that we saw his All-Star year in Utah and not even just that someone like Asherod Blakely saying that on on TV and and being in the in of you know Boston sports and being a national not even just a not even just a Celtics guy being a national writer for him to say something like that like he sees Gordon Hayward as being this Gordon Hayward being better than what they saw in Utah like that's that's not an accident. And it's... Obviously, if he keeps that up, that's the truth. Not my Paul Pierce. 
But Gordon Hayward is legit. And I love that people are seeing it, but uh, it's uh, you see the pink hats around, and I, I, I can't stand that. Tries me nuts. Do you want my head to explode? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I fully expect him. Obviously, if he obviously we hope he stays healthy. Knock on wood again. But he keeps this up. Like he's he's going to be an all star. And I don't know what the contract situation is going to bring. I don't know what kind of pull Brad has. I don't know what kind of pull Danny Age has. You know, I, there were obviously reports when you know he was bound to leave Utah that Miami was super close to to being able to, to sign him. So, hopefully we won't have to worry about that. You know. But if it, you know, when it gets to that point, I mean, he, if he plays like this, he's earned the right to. So, for me right now, I'm, I'm not going to let it continue to spoil my, my day and my brain. No yelling on the bus! The bus is my brain. And hopefully he's here long term. So, that's another topic for another time. But he is an all-star, and he's going to be an all-star this year. I've called it. He deserves it. Just getting in the last couple topics here. Baseball. Free agency. Coming up here soon. Um, so obviously, like, for the Celtics, a big shoe dropped. And it was sort of, it was sort of unexpected. Like, J.D. Martinez. I fully, fully expected... Chargers lose to the Raiders. Awesome. So, I fully expected... Fully expected J.D. Martinez to opt out. And probably sign elsewhere. But uh, last week... Or actually, this week, on Monday... He had until... Oh, what? Five Eastern time. To either opt in or opt out of his contract. And I fully expected, again, to, for him to opt out. And he ended up opting in. And my guess... My guess... Was... The market to sign someone who's probably more of a DH than an outfielder at this point in his career was not that great. So him and Boris probably have this master idea. I don't know how true this is, but this is just kind of a thought that runs through my head. So he opts into his deal this year. It's like 23, 23.75 or something like that. 23 million. So he opts into that with the potential opportunity to get traded. But it... I would not do that. I, you know, you've heard me on previous shows say, gun to the head, I'm probably retaining J.D. Martinez and trading Mookie Betts. And I I want, I don't want to trade Mookie Betts. Like I said, gun to the head, trade Mookie, get as many prospects and major league ready players as you can. Keep J.D., who obviously is the difference maker in that lineup. Uh, you know, look, you look at Devers. You, you look at Xander. What the hell they did this year? You know, I expect Andrew Benatendi to get to get better as well, but didn't see that happening. So with him opting in, what do you do if you're the Red Sox? Do you do you try to trade JD? Do you try to trade Mookie, or do you go for it this year? So kind of the thought, like my thought now is because when they hired Hyam Bloom from the Rays, my first thought was awesome. So. Now we're definitely going to try to play under this 208 luxury tax threshold bullshit. You know, Red Sox. You know, we, we're going to start saving money because we don't make enough. We don't, you know, hot dogs. We, we can only jack the price of hot dogs up to like 17 dollars this year with a Coke for you know 34 dollars. You know, this this print mo- this print money crap. I can't even believe it. Like, I can't. My my patience, not my, not my patience. It's like 
I cannot even believe these owners are like this. Like, I can't stand the narrative that they're trying to save money. Like, I, it drives me nuts. So, ugh. if if I had it my way, because I, I don't know what the hell it's going to look like come, you know, February, April, and all this stuff. But if everybody's healthy coming into this year, and that's a big if. You got Sale, who we have no idea about. His his extension go starts this year. You got David Price coming off a wrist thing. Obviously with the sale, with the shoulder, an elbow. He's gonna have Tommy John. And then you got Nathan Ivaldi with the uh, you know, the elbow thing where he's out all friggin' year basically. You know, that's seventeen million dollars, that's twenty five million dollars, that's thirty million or thirty some odd million dollars just in pitchers right there. That's seventy nine million dollars I believe that's committed to three fifths of your starting rotation. But if they're healthy and you get Erod back and you get a Porcello ish type of pitcher, in which I wouldn't even rule out Rick Porcello. I believe I talked about this on shows on uh, a previous show, maybe last time or the, or the time before. Porcello was making $22 million this year. If you slash that in half, two years, $11 million per, I would absolutely do that. As a fifth starter, can't really get much better. He's an innings eater, and he's obviously better than the five-and-a-half ERA that he had this year. But if the rotation is healthy, you got JD back. Mookie's probably going to make about $25 million. Why wouldn't you go for it? Pay for the bullpen. Fix up the bullpen a little bit. Just pay for it. Play, Go for it this year. If it's not going good, then you do the unfortunate thing of, of selling at the trade deadline. And then in which you, you're you probably going to get rid of Mookie Betts. There's a chance you get rid of you know J.D. Martinez come the trade deadline. Any of that can happen. But I would just say go for it. Why wouldn't you not go for it? Especially since J.D. Martinez kind of kind of threw in the monkey wrench. But since you have him under contract, why why wouldn't you just go for it? And that's what I just don't get about ownership. Do you want do you want your fan like your fans are probably still going to go? But I would not be shocked if they didn't sell out a game this year, if they decided to get rid of the J.D.s and Mookies of the world. Like this team expects to win, so sure, there might be a few bad contracts, but come on. Just deal with it. You're, you're, we expect more out of you than having to slash payroll. Like The narrative that they don't have enough money to, to take care of this just it drives me absolutely insane. I hate it. I hate it as a fan. And nobody wants to hear that. So you got another few big names out here, and, I, and I'll wrap it up with this. you got the Steven Strasburgs of the world who, opt outed, who opted out. Of the last four years, hundred million dollars of his of his contract. Garrett Cole, another big name out there. I don't really know what the market is for a lot of these people. Like, I could see someone like the Atlanta Braves going after a, a Cole or a Strasburg, because I feel like they're one really good starter and maybe a uh, pretty good reliever away from contending. Because obviously, offensively, they're great, and some of their young pitchers are really good too. But I think, you know, they probably keep Dallas Keuchel. But I think they're, I think they're one really good pitcher away and a bullpen arm away from from being in in that top. 
because we weren't talking about the Nationals. We were they were nineteen and thirty one at one point this year, and look what happened. You know, you go on a crazy run. Poor Bryce Harper, huh? Poor guy. But I can see someone like Atlanta going, you know, going after a pitcher, and they're gonna be they're gonna be in on Mookie Betts as well. That that rumor is gonna gonna be there for a long time until it actually happens. Close to his home. So that'll be something to look out for too. But there's free agency the last two or three years has been really, really sketchy. You know, a lot a lot of guys signing early and then the big names like again, like the the JD Martinez's of the world, Bryce Harper's of the world, the Manny Machado's of the world, Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keuchel. Free agency's been really, really weird. I don't know if it's there's no money or teams that don't want to outbid themselves. You know what I mean? So we'll we'll get in we'll get into the free agency talk in the next uh, you know next few episodes or whatever. So, but it's crazy. It's going to be an interesting off season, especially for Boston. I don't know where they're going to go with this, but if it's me, I'm going for it. Selfishly, I'm going for it. But again. I really felt like the I feel like the JD Martinez thing kind of threw in a monkey wrench. And I don't mean that negatively. It's you know, I fully expected him to not be here. So I'm actually kind of glad that at this point he's going to be here, which is good. So again, it's going to be an interesting off season. So let me get some music going and then uh we'll get to, we'll get out of here. All right, here we go. So Next few shows, we're probably doing a little more baseball talk because Hot Stove is going to be cooking up some good stuff here in the next few weeks. GM meetings are not that far out, Uh, so you'll hear some rumors about that. And we'll we'll get we'll we'll talk a little bit more NBA as well. Celtics are playing well, Uh, won their sixth straight tonight against the Hornets, and I'm sure once I can finally grab Adam to get on the show, which is long overdue. I mean, I don't mind doing these shows myself, but it's so much better to be able to to interact with Adam and shit all over him and then he can shit on me all he wants but it it's fun but we'll talk well, I'm sure we're going to be talking a bunch of NBA and especially football because now you're getting into the point where the games are obviously each each week each game is important but now we're getting to the point where literally we past the halfway point now literally every game is super important going forward seedings on the line all that we'll get into that too or maybe we'll even get into hockey the Bruins are the best team in hockey right now. I don't care what anybody says. They're playing great. So, yeah. You know that you... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good few weeks here coming up. Next few months, I should say. Thanksgiving's not that far from here either. And Frozen 2, as I said at the beginning of the show. November 22nd. Cannot wait. I'm going to go watch it with the kids. The kids are excited for it. So, as you guys all know, you guys know where to find us on the uh, the interwebs, the social media pages. You can find us on Real Take. On, wow, on Real Take, yeah. On Facebook, Real Take No Holds Barred Sports. Facebook, like I said. Uh, Twitter, at Real Take NHB. I am at AWatch013. Adam's at Real Silver Spoon. Shoot us an email, Real Take, Real Take No NHBS at gmail.com. Uh, obviously, you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud with any device, iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, whatever the hell you have. And I'll just leave it there. And great show by myself. I will pat myself on the back. Might not have been that great to you, but it was fun for me. 
So, again, hope everybody has a great rest of the week or weekend, depending on when you're listening to this. Stay warm. It's starting to get a little bit colder day by day. Stay warm, stay safe, and as always, long live and prosper. Biatch. For Adam, deuces. <laughs>